Welcome to Little Realms, a 5e D&D podcast. Uh, my name is Dan. I play Cyrus Sassafras, and you are listening to our recap episode of our first arc. This is a great way for new listeners to get caught up without having to chug through 27 episodes, and also a really great way for previous listeners to refresh themselves on what happened. This is a good time to remind everyone that we have a list of all of our NPCs of Mithrin at littlerealms.com. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And uh, as always, if you guys like our content, please leave us a like and a review on iTunes or Podchaser. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us on Twitter at PodRealms. We have an Instagram account with the name PodRealms. And we also have a Discord account where you can just chat with us. I'll include the link as well in the show notes. Thanks a lot and enjoy. We see the half-decorated Bardo Vim calls home in the Journey's End parking lot next to the stables. Vim exits her home wearing comfortable clothes, holding a brightly painted stool in one hand and a roll of tools in the other. She places the stool between her home and the horses, and unrolls the tools across her lap as she takes a seat. Oh, sweet honey. It's been a while since we've had a lazy afternoon together, hasn't it? (laughs) I'd feel bad if I didn't know Jubal was taking such good care of you. (laughs) Next time I see him, I'll make sure to give him another gold piece to keep you both swimming in carrots and apples. For now, though, I'm grateful to have a few quiet moments to work on our home. I could finish the last panel we started working on, but but I have a better idea. What if instead we started working on something new? Something that, that will always remind us of our new friends and this strangely wonderful town called Mithrin. Huh, it, it sounds weird to say that out loud, and I bet it sounds strange for you to hear that too. Yeah, I know, I was, uh, not thrilled when the mother elephant told me this was where we would have to go for our next business venture. Sure, the mother elephant likes to establish relationships in places that other merchant groups overlook, but Mithrin? I thought this place had been overlooked for a good reason. I think Gaul was the only one excited about us coming here. His eyes seemed to light up and look sad at the same time when I told him. That's when he told me he was finally ready to cash in on that favor I owed him for, well, years. I agreed to repay a debt he owed someone else, Inithren, and in exchange I'd get a blank slate. Something I haven't had in a long time. Gull didn't tell me their name, but he did tell me to look for a tiefling with curled ram's horns and lapis blue skin. If only it had been so simple to find them. To find Indigo. 
a whole lot's happened between joining that military caravan leading the way to Mithrin and my first face-to-face -face meeting with Indigo, hasn't it? Fim reaches out to idly pat sweet honey on the chest before picking up a gouge and beginning to carve into a previously untouched panel of the wooden bardo. On the way here, I was joined, or really we were joined, by Jarrell, an inquisitive mind from Harrogate, Arden, a blade for hire from everywhere and nowhere, and Cyrus, a crotchety gardener from Bogberg. We fought an evil ghost, received a quest from a good ghost, and arrived in town with a promise to fulfill. Now, I'd never admit this to anyone else, but I might have gotten carried away in a few. Well, <laughs> I don't want to call them lies, so let's go with almost truths while getting tangled up in these promises. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you want to know what they are? You do love gossip. Well, for starters, I used my magic hat to mask my identity and prevent a man from being murdered by a local crime club known as the Faceless. This somehow turned into starting a neighborhood watch, but I'm pretty sure it's a good thing and I plan on using it to my advantage. I, I, I mean, for good. I plan on using it for good. Oh, and uh... <laughs> I also insisted the town Margrex give me papers that authorized me and my friends to act on his behalf in whatever way we want, using whatever names we feel like using. I still can't believe that worked. Of all the towns and of all the Margrexes, Victor Arendelle is by far the easiest one to pull one over. A few days later, I, uh, I shook down an encampment owned by another trading caravan. They're called the Dancing Mannequin, and it was a righteous attempt to find Indigo. But, actually, you know what? That one wasn't fun, and Indigo wasn't there. Instead, I met Mother Rose, the caravan leader, and an idiot named Yotam who works for the Faceless. Yeah, turns out the Faceless work for Indigo, and I was not thrilled to put those pieces together either. Of all the people in Mithrin to owe a favor, the leader of the Faceless was not what I was hoping for. Though, knowing Gaul and the kind of people he's he tends to get wrapped up in, maybe I should have expected this. Turns out the military's leadership, Captain Myrne and Lieutenant Rowan, were just as bad, but at least we were able to do something about them. It took a bit of planning and a whole lot of improvisation to oust them, but we did it. Mithrim will be better off without them stealing wealth and murdering innocents. And the military is also in better hands now, with that new guy taking over, Sergeant Landon. I honestly think he cares, not just about doing a good job, but about people. Ugh, sweet honey. It 
and all felt like fun and games before finding out Indigo is a shitbag and that the military is an absolute mess. Spirits, I wish we could do to Indigo what we did to Myrne and Rowan, but... But we can't. Well, I can't. At least not yet. Not until I finished repaying my debt and my slate is clean. I swear, the moment, the, the instant that I'm free, I am coming for him and he is not getting a head start. Hmm, <laughs> quite the to-do list. I suppose we need to pick up the pace on it all. Chilly winds are rolling into town and I don't want to be here through winter, but eh, we don't need to worry too much about that just yet. We've still got a few weeks to finish everything we came here to do. Till then, I promise to work only as hard as I have to, and to enjoy the time we have with our new friends. They have a way of making the crummy stuff bearable, the boring stuff exciting, and the good stuff even better. Hearing the journey's end dinner bell ring, Vim finds a stopping point in her work and carefully stows her tools. Well, what do you think? <laughs> Vim takes a moment with Sweet Honey to admire the newest addition to their home. We see a cityscape of Mithrin featuring the clock tower at the heart of the city, the temple to all of the gods, the Margrex Arendelle's estate, and the military barracks. Behind the skyline sits a rising and falling sun, resembling the creaky wooden sign hanging outside of Journey's End. And before the skyline stand four rough silhouettes. A bright-eyed scholar filled with so much potential and even more heart. A reliable comrade with an honest tongue and refined sensibilities. And a sweet old man only pretending to use a staff for support. And a horned traveler armed with hope and a hammer. Yeah, I like them too. Hmm. It's been a while since I've written anything, so I suppose there's a lot to say. How shall I begin? Starting at the beginning is how it's usually done, so I'll go with that. It's been a number of years since I came over to this side, and having chosen to make my way as a mercenary, I can't say that I'm surprised when I get swept up in things. Political fights, dirty dealings. This may have been the first time I was led to a job by a ghost, but despite the surprise exhibited by my compatriots, I can't even say that took me much by surprise. Ah yes, my compatriots. I came to Mithrin, a small city in the middle of nowhere, by caravan, along with the usual travelers, merchants, soldiers, and the like. I met three others who, to my surprise, would become something like friends to me, or at least co-workers. I'm honestly not sure why any of them were along for the ride. Perhaps they said at some point and I wasn't listening. Either way, they got swept up in this mess as well. Is this how adventuring parties are formed? I'm not quite sure. But enough getting sidetracked. Mithrin was much as I expected it to be. 
with largely incompetent leadership, shady types stalking the alleyways, and corrupt guards that both show a surprising inability to do their jobs, and an overzealous despotic bent. All the comforts of larger cities about the coalition at just a fraction of the size. Regardless, by the time we arrived in town, we already had a job to do. A murder mystery to solve. Though it took us a few days to find out. And, well, a job is a job, I couldn't help but think that there must be more important things for me to do. And there was something more important, as I would soon find out, and more in line with my purpose for coming to Mithrin at all. There was something off about the forest to the east of the city. Something off and very, very wrong. I couldn't tell much from my first foray into it, other than that it seemed there was something trapped there. Unhappily, or perhaps I couldn't say for sure, but it wasn't anything good. Oh, and all of my compatriots who demanded they come with were nearly killed. I really don't think they can blame anyone but themselves for meddling in things that perhaps they shouldn't, but I still would have felt bad if anything worse had happened to them. So, given the apparent danger to... Well, given the apparent danger, I decided to look into things in a more passive manner by becoming a regular patron of the local library. I was surprised by its size, and the librarian, as best I could tell, there was only one librarian, Judy. Oh, hello, darling. What can I help you with? Who was helpful and delightful to talk to, though my first encounter with her threw me for a loop. Oh, follow me, you tall drink of water. While I was holed up in the library or my room, the others were investigating, I suppose. Well, investigation happened somehow to any extent. Was it any surprise that the likely culprits of the case were as high up in the chain of command of corrupt guards as one can get? Myrna and Rowan, guard captain and vice captain. I'm not sure. No one else seemed very surprised either. It was nice that the main people making it hard for me to get anything important done were the targets of my officially assigned job. Anyway, a comedy of errors passed. We met the shady local underlord. The corrupt locals somehow became more enamored of us, or the non-corrupt locals, rather. I think perhaps that's because of one of my companions, Cyrus, who is an old man of the sort that you can't help but laugh at sorry with. Um, either way, despite his smell and, well, everything else about him, he's hard not to like. Eventually, it became clear that the only way we were going to get what we needed to take down Rowan and Myrne was to break into their house and steal it. Hmm, I feel like I'm skipping a lot here. Well, it's probably not terribly important. Actually, as I write this, I'm a little bit horrified that I'm not sure I've done anything important since arriving here. I suppose it might be vaguely important to say that we arrived in town close to the beginning of their harvest festival. The cover of the festival was ideal for staging a break-in, and to my surprise, it went perfectly. We had to make a bit of noise getting out once everything was done, but it wasn't an issue. Both entry and getaway were clean and gave us all the evidence we needed. The only thing left to do was use it. Really, Mithrin is not a large place, but has all the comforts of one. 
Most ideal for our purposes was the local newspaper, which we decided would be the perfect route to publish the wrongdoings of Guard Captain Mirne. It also proved to be a fairly simple feat to hijack it for this purpose. Everything fell into place, things were moving surprisingly quickly. Part of that is that we were not the only ones moving. There was a play scheduled at the end of the festival, something of a local performance. What the townspeople didn't seem to know was that it was the local underlord who had commissioned this particular play, and his lackeys that were putting it on. It was also designed to provoke Myrne and uncover his ill deeds. I'm a little disappointed that it worked as well as it did, especially the provocation part. Had Myrne been more competent, then maybe our efforts would have had a chance to take him down in full. Instead, in his drunken incompetence, he turned Town Square into a melee and went down the hard way, I suppose. And that is where we are today. My desk at the inn is piled with books, which I hope contain all I need to know about whatever is going on in the forest. I've also overthrown the corrupt town's guards and completed my work for the town officials. The Underlord and his organization are still around, though. Well, the new guard, Captain Landon, is quite competent. I'm sure he can handle things. I'm still not quite sure what my compatriots came to town for, though. Overall, I have no doubt that this isn't the last time I'll get swept up in local politics and have to fix a problem that really should be left to somebody else. In the meantime, though, maybe I'll have some time to get something important done. Dear Mama and Papa, You'll be glad to know I've made it to Mithrin safely and without incident, and I'm staying with some friends I made on the road. You wouldn't believe who I ran into here, Nana's old friend Anne. She's retired from monster hunting now and settled happily here. I'm looking forward to visiting with her more while I'm in town. Mithrin is small and not terribly exciting, but very charming in its own way. My friends and I went on a hike and got to see a bit of the lovely forest near town. There was a citywide festival, too, for the fall equinox, with a quaint little masquerade ball and even a musical play. It wasn't perhaps as sophisticated as some of the productions at home, but the ending was very exciting and unexpected. I made contact with the university here. It's a little neglected, but luckily the archives seem to be intact, and the people there have been warm and welcoming. I'm sure I'll be able to make a lot of headway this year on my research sabbatical, peaceful as things are around here. I love and miss you, and I hope everyone there is doing well. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Love, Jarrell. Dear Speckles, What a flaming carriage wreck this week has been. I hardly know where to begin. As I mentioned in my last letter, the friends I made on the road and I encountered the ghost of a young priestess on our way into town. But then, once we arrived in Mithrin, the Margrex almost immediately entangled us in a sort of, but not really, official investigation of her murder. It didn't take us long for us to become suspicious that the head detective in town, a fellow with a bad haircut named Rowan, might be the perpetrator, and for him to become equally suspicious of us poking around. So we're trying to investigate him and avoid him at the same time, and then he drags us into another investigation of a local gang, the Faceless. And then I nearly kill this girl Brennan. It turned out okay, Cyrus saved her, thank the spirits. 
who, by the way, I'd already met when we ran across her and another member of the Faceless mugging some fellow, and because Vim is crazy, we chased them off by pretending to be part of a non-existent local neighborhood watch. And then, it turns out that Vim owes a debt to their king leader, Indigo, who apparently used to be the mayor and then faked his own death. And he has a grudge against the captain of the guard, Mirne, and so Indigo tipped us off about some evidence that Rowan had murdered the girl, but he also wanted us to get dirt on Mirne, who had been running a tax scam and kind of unofficially taken over the city from the actual Margrex, who's a useless pushover. And so we ended up breaking into their homes during the Equinox Festival to find evidence of both the fraud and the murder, and got caught. And even then, when we presented the evidence he asked for to the Margrex, he just sort of dithered about it. And because all of my friends here are crazy, he ended up fighting the captain and detective in the square in the middle of a play! Thank the spirits, nobody died, but it was a near thing on both sides. Both Rowan and Captain Mirne have been deposed and arrested, and hopefully the Margrex will just actually do his job now. Oh, and I almost forgot. We went out into the woods because of a weird dream Arden had and got attacked by some kind of freakish tree monster. We still have no idea what it was or where it came from, except that the whole area reeks of fey magic and apparently people just up and disappear in this place sometimes. Also that gangster friend of Brennan's, Yotam, I think I sort of promised to help him brush up on his magecraft. I can practically hear you laughing at me right now. My new friends are fun and fascinating people, but I am worried about, well, all of them. Vim and her ties to this gang, Arden and these strange dreams he's been having, Cyrus and his obsession with flinging himself into brawls. I'm just going to have to keep my eyes on them and make sure nobody gets too deep into trouble. We haven't known each other long, but after all the bizarre nonsense we've been through together, they've become like my little travel-sized family while I'm away from all of you. Ugh, please burn this letter so Damiar doesn't find it while snooping around in our stuff. They don't have to tell you if our elders get word of any of this because of his drunk rambles, they'll send someone to drag me home by the ears. Anyway, with all that insanity out of the way, I can finally concentrate on work. I've met with Anne a couple of times. She says hi. And she's still of a mind to help. She's a little cagey about discussing my intended research subjects directly, but she definitely knows more about them. And she's cooked up this fascinating system of alchemy and potion making to replicate some of their psionic abilities. She's given me a table of reagents of some sort to puzzle out before she'll tell me more, testing my commitment to this effort, I think. But we did a test run of a recipe that enhances thought detection, and the results were absolutely astounding. A copy of my notes are included for your perusal. If that's what she considers a simple example, I'm sure you'll agree, the methods we theorized seemed entirely feasible. People here seem pretty curious about what I'm doing, and the university is all but derelict so I have little concern about anyone reporting back to the Institute. The only one I'm not sure about is Marin, a researcher who seems to have taken over the campus facilities. She's a little cold and standoffish, but I'm sure if we both mind our business, it'll be fine. I miss everyone dreadfully, you most of all. It's only here without you, but we both know that it will all be worth it when this all pans out. You make sure to get out of the workshop sometimes and have some fun, and don't overwork yourself. All my love, Magpie. Susie Butterbean, I hope this letter finds you. 
I know it's only been a week since I've packed up and left Bogberg, and I know you're probably still trying to figure out how you could ever fill my shoes as the town's apothecary. But I need you to stop whatever you're doing and fill this order right now. <laughs> I've drank all my potions and I've exhausted all my reagents, so re-equipping me, your former teacher, is now your number one priority. For starters, I need some more U-Leaf. Even before we reached Mithrin, I had to use a fair amount of my stock for a spell that assisted me in locating a decaying body we smelled in the woods. The body belonged to a halfling named Liara. We discovered that she served as a priestess of Pelor in the city of Mithrin, and her ghost informed us she had been murdered. Yes, Susie, ghosts are apparently real. I also need some eagle feathers. The city's full of corrupt officials and blundering bureaucrats, and in order to investigate Liara's murder, I had to schmooze my way past some of these schmucks to gain access to her case file. My big red tiefling friend, Vim, she handed me a turkey feather for my spell, but it wasn't that effective. In fact, I think that turkey feather made me less charming. Send me some fresh ginseng and ginkgo, too. I don't know if memory is starting to fail me, or if the forest outside of Mithrin is just playing tricks on me. But every time I follow my stubborn half-elf companion, Arden, into those woods for one of his silly tree dreams, hours of time escapes me. One minute it's morning, the next minute it's almost sunset. It makes no sense at all. Rather than think about it too much, I'm just going to assume my mind's playing tricks on me, and I need to take more supplements. Don't send me any of that dried shit either. I want fresh herbal supplements, Susie. I also need you to go into my old garden and pluck a couple stargazer lilies. Be sure to wrap up those sneaky flowers in at least two layers of parchment, though. One whiff of their pollen gives me an awful migraine. I'm hoping that I can be strategic with those little stinkers, time my migraine just right, and then share some of that pain with a piece of shit who keeps jumping into my brain. Uh, that piece of shit's name is Indigo. He's a blue tiefling who used to be in charge of Mithrin. Apparently he faked his own death just so he could reinvent himself as a crime boss. Now he runs this ragtag group of troublemakers called the Faceless, who claim they're helping the poor, and technically they're also at odds with the corrupt officials in charge of Mithrin. But they're still no friends of mine. Two wrongs don't make a right. Write that down, Susie. The last thing I need from you is a potion. And Susie, this potion is going to be a lot more difficult than the cures and antitoxins and all that other stuff you're used to making for the townsfolk of Baldwin. I need you to brew me a potion of giant strength. As you know, I came to Mithrin to please Cord to die a glorious death and get reunited with my departed lover, Bullvine. However, being an old man, I, uh, I initially sought out adventurers as travel companions to tag along with. I needed their strength to help make me bolder and kind of lead me to these adventures that would get me to my goal. And for a while, Vim and Arden and Jarrell have done exactly that. 
With them, I've fought ghosts and tree monsters and criminals. And while I mostly found it around with support spells in the background while they did the heavy lifting, I paid attention. I learned fighting skills from my companions after each encounter. Vim taught me to be reckless, and Arden taught me to be precise. And not to be outdone, Jarell taught me the importance of never giving up. You see, I had one of those rare strength potions with me when I left Borgburg. Took me a damn near month to make. Unfortunately, I squandered it. I downed the potion before a wrestling tournament, and despite the advantage it gave me, I still ended up losing. In the first round, no less. Blah! I was emotionally defeated after that loss. But Vim and Jarrell showed up. And it was Tiny Jarrell that picked me up out of my depression. And we all had a good long hug in the porta potty. It's ironic that my friend Jarrell saved me because they may also have duped me. Not long after that silly wrestling tournament, I had a real fight. One where my life was on the line. One where I could finally die in glorious combat and be reunited with Bulvine once and for all. The fight was against an elf with a bad haircut named Rowan. As it turned out, Rowan was the corrupt official who killed Liara. I summoned all of my previous training and all of my fungal power and truly unleashed a can of whoop-ass the likes of which he was not expecting. Don't get me wrong, he was tough, and Rowan got in some good blows too. And honestly, it should have ended with each of us striking one another down. However, that was not the case, because unfortunately Jarrell was also there. On the outside, they may look like a pipsqueak bookworm, but on the inside, they are a truly terrifying wizard. Jarrell interfered with our duel and blinded Rowan, making the victory anything but glorious and guaranteed my survival. Blah! The town is saved, and myself and my friends are the heroes of Mithrin. Whoopee! But I am now left further from my goal than I have ever been. All the wealth and fame of being a hero means nothing without Bulvine. I need to find a new threat, something stronger, and I need to be able to take it down alone. So hurry up with that order, butter brat, and I'll send you all my coin. Sincerely, Cyrus Sassafras. General X-Line. I wanted to send you a personal commentary of the official account of the past week or so in Mithrin, because, well, hear me out. On the way to Mithrin, our caravan picked up several travelers. Jarell, a scholar from Harrogate, the mercenary Arden, a merchant named Vim, and the druid Cyrus. The journey was rather uneventful, save some sort of business with ghosts at that abandoned fort a few days outside of Mithrin. I would come to discover that it was rather more of a significant event than I realized at the time. First, I have enclosed several documents from Henry, our military secretary here in Mithrin, as receipts of cases of Captain Duran Mirne acting in a manner unbefitting of his position, and I want to confirm that I personally witnessed several of these. 
the worst of which being ordered to arrest an innocent man, which I complied with at the time, but simultaneously decided I would not stand by and let this perversion of justice happen quietly. I can see your expression from here. Landon is up to his old make-everything-right-by-his-own-hands-again, and you would be correct, but when has anything I've done truly gone astray? Ever since Witherhite was murdered, the new Margrex Victor Arendale has been forced into a losing position between the Faceless and Captain Mernay. The Faceless seem to be some sort of extortion bracket that targets the haves and feeds the profits to the have-nots. Captain Mernay, it turns out, was taking taxes and keeping them for himself. The individual I was ordered to arrest was in the have-nots end of the Faceless operation. And yes, technically, he could have refused the money. But if he didn't, the only inn in town would go under. His life's work would be ruined, and I could not in good conscience stand by and allow that to happen. And so, those travelers I mentioned, Vim, Arden, Jarrell, and Cyrus, they had been completely independent of myself, conducting their own investigation at the behest of the spirit of the murdered acolyte Liara and the Margrex. They seemed to have a source of very useful information that neither Victor nor I had. And by utilizing that resource, we were able to definitively prove that both Captain Joran Mire and Lieutenant Ewan Rowan are guilty of the crimes, tax fraud, and two counts of murder. Yes, we staged a coup. I staged a coup. I accept responsibility for that I would just request that any disciplinary actions coming my way be deferred until at least the end of winter, if not the end of the war. The military can scarcely spare the resources to deal with such an out-of-the-way city. And aside from that, we are in a good position here. There is no immediate danger to the stability of the city post-change in command. Mirna and Rowan are both safely behind bars, awaiting a fair trial. The faceless presence has faded away, and Victor now has the resources to do his job again. I have also assumed command of the soldiers here, and they seem to be grateful to be out from Mirna's reign. I regret that this whole changeover was rather messy, but time and location did not permit us the luxuries of official channels. I am prepared to bear whatever the repercussions of my actions are, but I do not regret my actions and would do the same again if the situation arose. Sincerely, Sergeant Mikael Landon. Rowan crouches in the corner of his prison cell, hunched over a piece of paper, scribbling away on it with a quill. Well, father, it seems as though I have done it again, as the expression here in the coalition goes. I have no way to prove this to you, nor anyone but myself. But when I ran away, and it was running, I made an oath 
to myself that I would not waste this next lifetime and do something which I could be proud of. He pauses, writes the next paragraph, pauses again, reads over it, and then takes the quill and scratches out all but a few disjointed thoughts. I was able to join the military, did general do-gooding, which was what I'd set out to do. So, for a time, life fell into place. Rowan begins to write another paragraph, but stops mid-thought and pinches the bridge of his nose. And again, he scratches out most of what he wrote and leaves only a few sentences. Everyone knew who Joran was, the son of the illustrious field marshal. So, when Joran offered me an appointment to his personal retinue, I could not look beyond the immediate and accepted his offer. Rowan pauses again, before beginning to write, but then mutters to himself, You wouldn't care how or why Mirnay went bad, just that I pledged myself to a fool again. He scowls deeply and continues to write. I had so much of my career and myself invest in this person that somewhere in there, I lost sight of what I'd set out to do. And that, it's not an excuse, is why I killed Liara. To save this person who hasn't said a single word to me since I've been thrown in these cells. Father, you always said I was very dense, but even I believe I have been thoroughly discarded. I don't know precisely how these people, Cyrus, Vim, Drell, and Arden, became involved in my business, but they did. At the time, as it became readily apparent, they suspected me more and more. I remember being in an absolute panic, attempting to divert their attention by any means necessary, while at the same time trying to keep Myrne in line as he became more and more reckless with his power. Then, Joran went and ordered Landon to arrest Abram, a very stupid order that Landon obviously didn't think was right, and we also didn't technically have evidence for. And I would hazard a guess that Landon went straight to those same interested parties and told them everything he knew about the situation. And by the time my home was broken into, I knew what was coming, but had no way of stopping it. The man I'd pledged loyalty to almost broke at a festival dance of all things, but then actually did give a wildly unexecutable orders at that community theatrical farce. I did fight until I was sure I was beat. Father, you would have found my defeat fittingly humiliating. Then I woke up in a jail cell. I'm not sure if I owe those people thanks for all this time I can now devote to contemplation. But what I do know is that I can ask them and the Mogrix Arendale for the opportunity to redeem myself through the means acceptable 
back home. And if not, then I'll just have to take what comes. Rowan puts down the quill and stares into the middle distance. After a time, he turns back to the paper and scribbles a few more quick lines before scratching it out once again. The line that's left reads, There is one more complication. Then Rowan holds up the piece of paper and his eyes dart across the page as he reads it over. Then he scoffs, tears the page into several small pieces and shoves them ruefully underneath the mattress of the filthy cot in his cell. Thank you.